Lost is over, and it has been for a while, but we're just getting started here on the Lost Lives podcast here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another round of Lost Lives. I am Josh Wiggler, back with another show after only like three weeks since our last show, uh, since we celebrated 4-8-15, a very special holiday for the Lost fans. We had Joe Garfine on the show talking about lots of cool stuff, just general Lost nerding out, and today we are joined by another favorite in the Lost Lives uh, community, someone we haven't heard from since November, I think, uh, but someone who is near and dear to my heart, of course, he's my good buddy from college. Give it up for the man, Coconut Pete. How are you, Coconut Pete? I'm doing really good, Josh. How about yourself? I'm doing well, Pete. It's uh, Pete. You and I don't talk enough. We don't. I feel like we, we like text. Facebook message and yeah, Facebook message. We we do a lot of tweeting back and forth, uh, but you know, a lot of that involves your wife. So what does that I, mean? I. Mike Bloom liked a Facebook post the other day, so he knows what I'm talking about. Oh, my about. God. That sounds nefarious. I don't know. It all, it's very nefarious. I don't know how to feel about it. But no, we, you and I, we don't talk on the phone enough. We don't talk on Skype enough. Um, I feel like the last time we did that was probably for one of these Lost podcasts back in November. Does anybody talk on the phone? Any, I mean, I know my phone does that. It, it has the ability to communicate via phone. Yeah, it, I just didn't. I don't. I don't use it for that purpose. It's old fashioned, right? It's old fashioned. I mean, uh, I'm going to write you a letter as well. You can, if you'd like. I have an address. I'm not going to give it out on the air because PO box four eight fifteen sixteen. No, I'm sure somebody has that though. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure somebody has that. But uh, it, it's great to catch up with you now, Pete. Um, great to have you back on here. Lots of people. When we said at the end of the most recent Lost Lives, when we said that we were going to get you back on the show at some point in the near future, I, I got some people who were who were furious that they were going to hear from you again. Hey, you, you gotta love the haters because no, 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 everyone was keep pumped. you going every day. No, people were pumped. You, you've done, you've done great stuff here on the Lost Live shows. Uh, we've been talking to you about, um, you doing a rewatch. You've been doing your first rewatch of the whole show. When we first talked to you, I think you were, had just finished season one. I want to say, I think that was back in September. Yes. Um, and when we talked to you again in November, how, how far along were you at that point? I, I feel like I must have been in either late season three or early season four. Yeah. I can't remember. I definitely hadn't reached season five because when we talked about Sawyer, I had not remembered the whole LaFleur right. episode as well. And I, I would have gone to that one a lot more because that's some great Sawyer moments in yeah, there. I, but. I, think, I think you had said that your rewatch had slowed down a little. Bit. Yes, it, it, it has to once the, the school year starts because yeah. my wife's a teacher. So she, you know, she's a teacher. You, you and you and my good buddy, Becky, uh, you guys were doing this rewatch together after after the kid goes to sleep, I assume. Yes, yes. Too, too, too soon to convert Grace into a lost man. Not, not too soon. Just, uh, I don't know if she can sit through it, really. She's still not even <laughs> not into yet. Elmo, so. Who is Grace's favorite character going to be when the day comes? Uh, I feel like early she's going to identify with Walt because uh -huh. she has this polar bear uh, stuffed animal that she goes to school with every day. So that's definitely going to be, I think, the the early clubhouse leader or Vincent because she loves dogs. Is she going to be traumatized with the polar bear gets killed in like the, oh, the very first episode? Yeah, I am going to have to sort of censor that. But Bambi dies, so, oops, spoilers. Um, yeah, you just ruined. Uh, sorry, I hope everyone had seen the Very, very, very new movie for a lot of people. Uh, yeah, I, th I think the polar bear you might want to yada yada through. Skip over. Yeah, skip over if you can. But anyway, since then, since November, you have completed 
your lost rewatch? Yeah. When we did you finish up? Uh, a couple months ago, I want to say in, in about February and then proceed after that, I, I immediately watched season six over again because really? I had, yeah, I, I watched it twice in a row. Um, first, because I realized that it hadn't been, I had never watched it after initially seeing it. So it was new to me the first time and I wanted to sort of take it all in again. And I, I found that I had very different opinions of it. Right. And, and the second reason is because you're a masochist. It's also true. Yeah. It's also true. Because you wanted to put yourself through pain. It's, there's, there's a lot of that, but there's also some very good, good stuff to be found in season six. All right. So, so that's why we're here. That's, that's why we're here. Uh, other than just you and I catching up, Pete, and, yep. and getting the post-show recaps, people hearing your, your beautiful voice once again here. Um, the real reason we are getting together is it's no secret. I'm not a huge fan of the final season of Lost. Uh, I've made that clear on numerous Lost Lives podcasts. I think that there are things about it that work for me very well. Um, there are things about it that do not work for me so well, and that is coming from my recent rewatch as well. I was hoping to see if that would change. It didn't really change for me. Um, it's very interesting to me when I when I heard from you, Pete, that you really had strong things to say, like positive things to say about the final season of Lost after your rewatch. And I didn't realize that you had rewatched it again after. Yes. Um, twice. So that's so that's really interesting to me. And I think what we wanted to do today when we when we were talking about coming back uh, with another Lost Lives and having you back on the show was you were going to to present some arguments in defense of season six. What did you have in mind? Uh, well, I, I came up with uh, my top 15 and I chose 15 because Sawyer being my favorite character, he is number 15 in the cave. So I figured that was an appropriate number to go with. And I have 15 reasons that I will defend season six with. Okay. I think that there's, there's a lot of extraneous one through 15, the flying dragon punch that Jack delivers to not lock in the final episode. Cause I'll sign off on that. No, but that does come into play very, very high on my list. Okay. So, so is this, is this a ranked list for you? Yes, it is. It actually goes from, from 15 to one, you know, obviously there's some debate for it, but I, I think there's a lot of extraneous noise in season six that could be cut out. Whether you're talking about Alana being this supposed major character who that's up up. nothing and several other, you know, the, the temple reveal sort of being not the greatest, the, the, the whispers, which I've previously said, I don't like the answer to. Did that change on the rewatch? No, I still don't like it because they, they, that and Saeed coming back, I, I won't defend, nor will I try to defend Shannon being at the end, though I do think there is... With the story they wrote, I do think there is some way to explain it away, even though I, I would have paired Saeed with Nadia at the end. But that's, you know, not me, not for me to say it's are not. You, are you going to touch on Shannon and Saeed much in your list of reasons? N- no, not really. Okay. It, 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 then, then let me let me cut in. This is this is something that we got um, on the last Lost Lives podcast that you and I did together uh, in the comments section on PostShowRecaps.com from a regular listener of Post Show Recaps, Geek Furious, um, wrote this after uh, one of his findings from a full rewatch he did. He said, one of the things that bothered me less was the Shannon Saeed ending up together bit because it made sense that they would quote unquote find each other in that realm. 
Granted, it still bothers me that it was done in a way that suggests their love was that important that they need to find each other on a romantic level. Sure, they were lovers, but there is little in the series that suggests she was a great love for him, and I'm not sure she was capable of loving anyone more than herself. Does any of that resonate with you? Like, you might not be defending the choice for Shannon and Saeed to get together, but did it bother you less, or was it still like, come on? It definitely bothered me less, and I think one of the reasons is is very very clearly late in the show it says the i think it's in the christian conversation with jack at the very end he talks about how that time on the island was the most significant time of these people's lives right so if you go from that point of view yes nadia might have been his one true love but he also tortured nadia at one point like it's not this clear-cut long-term relationship that, that that they've had that has always been loving you know she was pushing him in the mud and things like that they have a history but if you're looking at it from the story that they're trying to tell of the island i do think it kind of makes a little bit of sense i wouldn't be there but that's you know like i said that's not necessarily for me to to come out and say because i'm not the the person who wrote the show you should have been I should have been. You can no. be one of my uh, writers in the writer's room for Lost 2. Lost 2. I'm in. You're in? I'm in. You'll quit your job. You'll, you'll move to, to sunny Los Angeles with me and you'll, you'll get it done? Absolutely. All right. <laughs> We've got Pete on the writing staff. That's one. We got one. I think Joe, Joe's in on, as well. Oh, she's definitely and in. And we'll get Antonio Mazzaro and AJ Mass and Mike Bloom. We'll get the whole gang together. Not Ben Carlucci. He's too far away. He's too far away. Um, all right. And, and then before we get into the reasons uh, why you will defend um, season six of Lost, can I just get your opinion on some of the other seasons since we last talked? You, I don't yes. think that you had gone all the way through season four. You and I certainly hadn't talked about season five, which people who have listened to Lost Lives know I adored season five. I think, you know, the more and more I think about season five, the higher and higher it gets, in my opinion. Um, what did you think of those two seasons? Season four, I still think, suffers from the writer's strike. I think it's very uneven that there are the high moments of season four are, are fantastic. And then there are just some absolute clunkers ab- amongst the bunch. And yeah. that y- y- there's no defending some of them. Um, and then season five, I agree with you. If it's if it's not number one, it's in the top two in terms of the seasons of loss and in terms of overall TV seasons period because there's just so much going on and it all works everything in season five fits together so nicely and just so well with how it you know the future and the past kind of playing off of each other and even when some of the things don't really edge up when uh for example when when Jin's there you know that first the the episode where they're in the different times and it after you see that Jin's in the past and it doesn't match up as well that doesn't fall as great but i think season five might be my favorite after watching watching all of them season one is still very high up there though okay now now season six final season for me it is very easy to put season six as my least favorite season of lost Mm -hmm. would you say the same even if you're about to defend season six absolutely i would okay so season six for you is the weakest season of lost i i think that you can want i think that you can make that argument and you know it, it definitely has some very slow starts and like i said a lot of extraneous noise a lot of things that really don't pay off but you know you're talking about comment sections and i was actually in prep for this i was re-watching some of your higher rated season six episodes from your your ranking on a, your mtv article and there's a comment from somebody who says i don't watch season six yeah 
and I hear that a lot and it's kind of considered by a lot of Lost fans to be this untouchable beast that you just can't defend. You sort of have to accept it as, as sort of being there, but not really like it. And underneath all of that noise, I think there's a really good core of just awesomeness that is present throughout Lost. And I think you can really find that in different elements of season six if you're looking for it. Yeah. And so the disclaimer is even if you would consider it, you know, six out of six, uh, there that, you know, even a six out of six season of Lost is going to be better than, you know, uh, however, however much percent of TV out there. Correct. And uh, then quite a few shows that come and go all the time. Yeah, I think I would sign off on that. You know, there's there's things about season six that I do really enjoy uh, as much as there is stuff that I that I don't love. And uh, I'm willing to be convinced I'm here for you to convert me, uh, Pete. Uh, oh. So let's 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 without further ado, should we should we hop into it? Yeah, let's let the conversion begin. OK, so I am going to strap myself into the chair in the Hydra Island room where I'm going to watch all the nonsense and the Jacob loves you video. Uh, and you are going to brainwash me into believing that season six has merit. All right. <laughs> so let's do it. Uh, let's let's uh, start with number 15. I'm going to turn the floor to you. What is uh, your 15, your, your number 15 defense of season six of Lost? I think in order to to start the list, you need to go to the end. And in fact, the end of the end, the last scene of season six, not the church stuff. Jack in the jungle with Vincent. If you're a true Lost fan and you can watch that scene and not just feel such a connection through the entire series, because what's the first thing we see, Josh? What's the first thing that we see in Lost? It is Jack uh, opening his eye. And then he stands up and he sees who running through the jungle. He sees Vincenzo. Vincent. And the very end of the very last episode is Jack's eyes closing with Vincent laying right next to him. If that's not the perfect tie-in for the whole series, I don't know what how else it could have ended, really. Yeah. Well, that's something that Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse, you know, did talk about a lot on their podcast while Lost was going on in interviews while the show was going on. You know, there's there's a lot of a lot of noise, as you referred to it, a lot of noise about how they didn't know what they were doing. They said that they knew what they were doing. They said they had this great plan. They said they knew exactly how it was going to end. Obviously, they didn't just look at the whisper look at all these other questions that they never answered uh, and I don't have quotes in front of me or anything like that but in terms of them talking about we know exactly how it's going to end that's something I believe them on um, in terms of we know the final shot of the series yeah we know that Jack is going to be in the jungle he is going to be closing his eye Vincent is nearby it's going to end as it began I think that that was set in stone for them I don't know where they fig- when they figured that out or where they figured it out or how they figured out that that's where they were going to go, but I believe that they knew that for a while. Uh, I feel like that's a really iconic image that they were able to move towards. Uh, how they get there, you know, how they get there, how they answer certain mysteries and questions and how those kind of breathe life into the story on the way to Jack dying on the island for probably some heroic reason, something worthy of being the final shot of the show. I don't know. They probably made a lot of that stuff up as they went along. But I totally believe, and I believe Matthew Fox even used to say for a long time, I know the final image of the show. Uh, I buy it. I buy that. And you're right. It's a, it's a beautiful final shot of the show. Uh, I just don't see any other way it could have ended. But uh, you, you actually touched on on the, the mysteries there in, while you were talking. And that actually kind of leads me right into reason 14. And I'm going to call it 
the black smoke slash the answers we don't like. Okay. <laughs> so your, your number 14 defense is going to be what we don't like. Correct. <laughs> I, think, right. I think Lost gets unfairly hit a lot for n- not answering questions. And I think that a lot of that isn't true. I think it answers quite a few of the questions. We just may not like the answers to those questions, but that doesn't mean they weren't answered. They answer Adam and Eve. I don't like it personally, but that doesn't mean that it's not my show. I didn't write it. If I want to create this show, then I can go out and write the show that I want to write. But that doesn't Lost make it too. a bad show just because you're not a fan of this particular answer. They can tell us things. They can tell us that the black smoke comes from, you know, a guy getting shoved into a hole with a bright light somehow. And is that my favorite? No, but that's a plausible answer if you take everything in context of the show in terms of time travel, people talking to the dead. It's definitely not the most outlandish thing I think that was created in terms of the the show. And there's a lot of answers that are provided that people just don't like for one reason or another. And I don't think that that's necessarily fair for judgment of the entire show. Right. Uh, so basically what you're saying is like to the people who said that the show didn't answer anything, it answered stuff in the final season. It answered a lot of things. And if you, if did you it, really, does it, does it, did it answer more than I give it credit for? I think it did. I really do. I, most of the there's there's some things you know necessarily why is walt special why was libby in the the mental institution some of those things but those were left off seasons ago and i don't even know how you could have appropriately woven those answers into season six yeah and i so you're hitting season six for not answering things which how are you going to work Libby back into it unless it's in the flash sideways, but people don't even really like that. So you have other issues with that as well. Right. Well, I, I guess for me, you know, that kind of addresses like one of my issues is, is, and I'm sure you'll talk about the flash sideways. So I don't want to spend too much time on it, but um, you know, we, we have this storytelling device that kind of comes out of nowhere in this final season. It gives you um, reasons to bring actors like Kevin Durant can come back as Kimi and Cynthia Watros can come back as Libby. But you have them in these roles. You get them back on the show, and it's not even addressing the stuff on the island. I think that that doesn't sit particularly well with some people. It doesn't sit fantastically with me. Um, sure, the show does answer some stuff, uh, but as you, as you yourself mentioned, a lot of these answers are answers we don't like to the point that I've kind of advocated for less is more, um, which is interesting because I feel like Lindelof agrees. You know, <laughs> he, he would talk a lot about how, like, like midichlorians suck. Like, you don't need to know about midichlorians to understand more about the Force. He thinks that that kind of ruins the mystery of the Force. And yet here he is, you know, writing a show where they are going to come out and tell you that the Whispers are the people who can't move on. You know, he is coming up with his own midichlorians. So it's like, I feel like the writers were in a really tough spot in terms yeah. of, People want their answers. People want to know this stuff specifically. And so when they did throw you a few bones, they just didn't land well. Um, I don't know whose fault that is. I don't know if it's on the writers because what they came up with maybe wasn't the best or if it's, you know, because they feel pressure that they have to answer these questions or our expectations are so high. Um, I hear what you're saying. I, I do hear like, you know, you can't say it didn't answer anything. Um, it doesn't answer everything. It never was going to, um, but it does, it maybe does answer more than, uh, you know, than I'd give it credit for. 
And more than a lot of people who abandoned the show before season six would give it credit for. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know how many of those people are listening to this. Right? That's very true. That's possible. We might have a few. All right. Let's get to lucky, Next, number, lucky number 13. 13. The Saeed Dogen fight from sundown. <laughs> it's a good fight. It's, it's, a, it's a good fight. You got a few top tier loss fights in the, in, in the, the entire show. Most of them involve Saeed, Saeed and Kimi, you know, some of them, the Saeed Dogen fight, they've got swords, Saeed's throwing plates as Frisbees, and all of a sudden it stops really suddenly, but there's ninja stuff going on. It's it's one of your traditional contrast of style type fights. And I just, I, I get really juiced up anytime I see Saeed going at it with anybody, even if he is a zombie. Well, Sundown, I, I actually really do like that episode a lot. Uh, I, th- I think um, if, if I remember right, there were there were like early reviews of a bunch of episodes um, back in like the blogosphere before uh, the final season started or maybe even while the final season was on. Uh, and somebody who's listening to this can probably tell me exactly what this was. But there was somebody who was like giving their impressions of each episode, like ranking them one to ten. Uh, and Sundown was ranked fairly low uh and i had very low expectations going into sundown as a result i paid attention to that stuff um and when i finally watched sundown when it finally came on i was like what is this person talking about that episode is actually pretty badass and this is coming from someone who uh i i'm very outspoken about i think that saeed should have been killed off in the premiere especially given where his story goes in season six i think it's a disservice to the character to let him survive past that i think it would have been a fantastic mission statement for the final season of we can kill off your favorite characters right away nobody is safe um you know the the fact that he does come back to life and i don't know do, do you feel like the show answered how and why he is brought back it, no i the, you can kind of tell that it is the man in black from certain references sure. that are that are made but it, it doesn't really explain why he would even want him to come alive if he needs all of the candidates dead that's one of that's one of the areas that no i i can't really defend it, side coming back and i do agree with you i think that if you could kill him off that would sort of set this sort of the nobody is safe right Exactly. And I, I think that, it, you know, it violates the dead is dead rule, uh, which I think is a, is a great rule to have on yep. the show. And if you're going to violate that rule, if like you're going to decide that dead is not always dead, uh, then you really got to have a great reason for that. And what's the great reason that he's just going to blow up on a submarine later? Uh, right. How does that fit in with the man in black's plan? And the man in black is very you know, queerly in the eyes of Dogen and Lennon and, and everybody in the temple is responsible for bringing Saeed back. And it's all, you know, don't let the guy talk to you. He's going to, he's going to convert you. You won't be able to walk it back. Um, it just seems to me like, I don't think that they knew why they were bringing him back other than Naveen Andrews had a contract that they had to, you know, use him for more episodes than, uh, than just killing him off in the premiere. That's just always kind of been my take. But that being said, you just have to accept the fact that he is alive. He does make it. He does last for a while. And his story, while not fantastic, does allow for a really chilling, haunting episode in Sundown uh, and this fight scene that you're talking about. But I just think the episode in general is one of the season's strongest. Yeah. 
you know, it's got that great ending of uh, Catch a Falling Star, uh, like in and put it in your pocket and have have that like you know kind of sung in this really horrifying horror movie way. Um, right as you know, e- either it's as or right after the smoke monster has demolished the temple, um, and that's a it's a great great final sequence. It's one of the one of the more chilling lost montages, you know, and we, we have talked on lost lives a bunch about how, um, the montages kind of start to fade away after a certain (laughs) point. They aren't as prevalent. Um, but in this, you know, in that world where you're talking about later lost lacks a little bit of the montage. This is, I think one of the stronger ones of late lost is this final scene of Saeed, like walking through the wreckage and clearly having been changed, having just murdered some people in cold blood. Um, it's cool. I, I do like sundown sundowns an episode. I'll defend. Um, so actually season reason number 12, I, I already know is gonna not be a winner for you. Cause you kind of voiced a little displeasure with it earlier, oh, no. but it's, it's the use of the side characters in the flash sideways, not all of them, but I do find some of the takes to be interesting because Ethan, when they, when no Island exists actually ends up being a good doctor. He doesn't have that evil side to him that we see in the jungle. I will always like anything that ends up with Mikhail getting shot in the eye. Yeah, I'm yeah. just a big fan of that. Sure. And that gets worked in the flash sideways. I think like the, I was just watching uh, LAX this afternoon and Froger sleeping on the plane and then kind of being a dick to Kate. I think that that's a little funny shout out. So I, do, I like the mental image that's coming up right now of Froger with the eye shades on the eye shades as uh, Boone and Locke are talking over him and, and he's just passed out right there. Yeah, Just like a total mouth breather. Exactly. It's, so that's pretty good. Not, not all of them, you know, Kimi making the eggs. I'll, I'll, I'll take it or leave it. But I find some of the, the, the little quick shout outs that they did to be, to be funny little reminders of, of things we had lived through with the rest of the series. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's always nice to see, you know, old friends and, and familiar faces popping back up on the show. Um, I, I definitely do hold to my, to my thought uh, that I expressed earlier about, well, if you're going to bring these people back, let's, let's maybe bring them back in a way that matters. Um, and you know, I have, I have my own problems with the sideways. Uh, are we, are we going to get into your take later on about how you feel about the sideways? Yes. Okay, yeah. So we'll, we'll touch on that a few more times. So, so we'll, we'll hold off on, on that in too much detail, but what I'll ask you, I guess is, you know, What's your interpretation for for characters like Ethan and Froger and Mikhail and Kimi belonging in this world, some of them not surviving this world, when we know by the end of the show that it is at least some form of afterlife. It's some form of this place that these people created together when they, you know, were no longer in our mortal world. Um, What is your take on what these people are doing there? Why is a guy like Ethan, who by all rights should exist on the island, why does he not? Um, what's, What's your read on some of that, or do you not think about it too hard? I think certain characters it's easier to explain away than other characters, you know, how, how Mikhail gets off the Island, how Ethan is, is present when we, we know that, you know, he probably would have been sunk at some point, uh, when the, when the Island got sunk, I think those are hard, hard to explain, but if if you're going to just watch the show, I I don't think you can put all that much thought into it because it, it, it is just a storytelling device. It's, it's a way of, 
giving us another look at what these characters could have been like, almost like a fulfilled, actualized version of themselves without some of the flaws. Right. Um, and that actually kind of does lead into reason 11, which is Happy Hurley. Uh-huh. Because without the island, without the numbers, he just wins the lotto. And LAX, he says it, I'm the luckiest man alive. You know, that's and and. When you first meet Hurley, that's what you think he's going to be. You think he's going to be this happy-go-lucky guy who has everything go his way. He's fat. He's funny. He's lovable. But then you find out he's got this really tortured past that happens in the real world. But then in this flash sideways, it's it's a chance for him to just sort of be happy-go-lucky and all of the things that you sort of want from him in the early seasons when he is trying to do island golf and other fun things, but is just constantly getting shot down. So I love Happy Hurley, and I think that's a great, great use in the sideways. Not enough island golf on Lost. No, never enough island golf. Not enough island golf. Any island golf in the final season? No way. Nope. Nope. None of that. When's the last time we see golf on Lost? Is it uh, The Economist? When it has to be. Yep. Shoots the guy. Shoots the guy. Missed opportunity. Always. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, I, listen, I'm never going to be mad at happy Hurley. Uh, I'm not going to be mad at seeing Hugo Reyes feeling pretty good about himself. I feel like he's happy, happy Hurley by the end of the show. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. I think, I think in, in both worlds, he's, he's pretty satisfied with, with where he is. Um, actually you're doing a really good job of sort of leading me in, into these, these points. Cause number 10, and I don't even know if you'll accept this, but it's, it's the new man in charge, okay. which is the epilogue, uh, of the last three scenes that play after that includes, uh, Ben and Hurley going to talk to Walt and Ben shutting down the, um, the Dharma plant that's sending all of the things. I thought that that was just a really neat little tie-in that goes into answering some of the questions. Where do the packages come from? And it's just these two guys in a warehouse. Yeah, I will, I will accept this. I love the new man in charge. There are people who really don't. There are people who, who think that the new man in charge is bullshit. And to those people, I say, bullshit, come on. Right. Uh, you know, Little, little Off and Cuse did not have to give you this. They did not have to give you any kind of epilogue where Ben Linus is going around, acting on Hurley's behalf. You get to see what that partnership kind of looks like, even if it's brief. And even if it's just a goofy way of answering like the Hurley bird and some of the Hydra Island nonsense and the animals stuff and a lot of that being stuff that we probably could have gleaned on our own anyway but it gives you a little tiny bit of what Walt is going to do with the rest of his life you're going to see Walt is going to be taken back to the island presumably uh, probably going to do some stuff uh, with getting Michael out of his situation potentially I'm not trying to give away spoilers for Lost 2 but uh, I might be inadvertently giving you spoilers for Lost 2 Um, you know they didn't have to do any of that none of that had to exist they could have just ended the show at the end and you know maybe that's the better ending ultimately but the epilogue is optional the epilogue is fun i really like that epilogue in fact i think i like that epilogue more than several season six episodes in uh like the proper season six episodes but i love i love the new man in charge i love getting a a little tiny taste of what hurley's regime looks like and you can't really if when we first meet Ben Linus and he is Henry Gale back in the hatch, if I had told you that the series was going to end with Hurley being in charge of the island and Ben is number two, you would have looked at me like a crazy person. Yeah. But it works. 
it, it ultimately it works. And I think it, it's a really good, like you said, you don't have to watch it if you don't like it, but it's there to sort of tie a nice little bow on some things that maybe some people would have been frustrated if they hadn't been answered. Yeah, I think so. And I, you know, people who complain about the new man in charge, that's a hard one for me to sign off on because it does not need to exist. This, this right. epilogue almost probably didn't exist. It's just a little bonus thing that they filmed for everybody that they edited together for everybody. It's just like a fun little, you know, it's like, it's like the Marvel thing, you know, like when Marvel gives you like a post credit scene, that's basically how to view the new man in charge. And through that lens, I think it's pretty satisfying. Who doesn't love when they eat shawarma? Yeah, exactly. If they had eaten shawarma in the new man in charge, uh, I think that it would be among the better episodes of Lost. Probably. It's still, it's still, it's still pretty good. All right. So let's, we're past 10. We've got, we've got 15 through 10. We have nine coming up. We're in single digits. Where are we at here with nine? Number nine. uh, One of the characters that we meet in season four, Frank Lapidus comic relief. I think that anytime you get a little bit more Lapidus, you get a little bit more love from me. The, the guy is great. And he just has some, some hilariously, terrible one-liners at certain points but they just make me laugh so much when they're uh burying Locke's body in the substitute and ben's like that's why i murdered him and it just cuts to lupitas who looks at the camera who kind of looks down it's like weirdest damn funeral i've ever been to yes yes or um just in in the um when when they're in the sub and the sub's about to explode and he's looking at the the door just before the water comes in he makes this really funny sound i urge everybody to go back and just watch this because it's kind of like a and you can tell he's about to get hit with all this water right i just find lupitas to be a really funny interesting character who i didn't know what to make of during season four and especially not during my rewatch i didn't know what i was going to think of him but anytime you can work him in there i think you're you're off to a good start chesty so what is uh what is uh, Sawyer calling Burt Reynolds? Yeah, Burt next year from a Burt Reynolds movie. Yeah, Chesty. Uh, I like that a lot. No, I love Lapidus. Lapidus is awesome. Um, the actor Jeff Fahey actually was just part of the final season of Justified, which is something that Antonio Mazzaro and I were podcasting about here on Pusher Recaps, and he was terrific there. Anytime you can get that man on television, I'm going to be pretty happy. He gets pulled into the boat by uh, Richard and and Miles, and he goes, "In case you haven't noticed." I'm pilot. Yeah. <laughs> I can fly. Just, just, I'm just pilot. Like, exactly. Exactly. Very, very uh, independence day. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's, he's terrific. He's got those beautiful blue eyes. Uh, what do you think of him minus facial hair? It's a little strange. It takes a little getting used to. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there are a lot of guys that once you get used to seeing them with facial hair, it's very hard to sort of see them without it, but you get used to it. Right. It's hard for me to imagine anybody who can grow facial hair not choosing to have facial hair. This coming from a man who can only grow an eared. Yeah, I am with you, bud. Yeah, I you don't really you. have an impressive uh, no. beard capabilities. No, not at all. You get like some chin stubble. A little bit. And if I shave it down, it kind of looks, you know, a little bit there. But you but and I are definitely among those male types who like pretend we have something passable right. as a beard. Every once in a while, I'll let it go a few days and be like, yeah, this is like one day stubble, but it's not. It's two or three days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'll, I, I will have uh, what looks to be about like three days worth. And nope, that's uh, me not having shaved for three weeks. <laughs> this is what I get. But I don't tell you that because I want you to think that it's impressive. And now I've revealed my secrets. 
Mine too. Yeah, Uh-oh. I've revealed yours as well. Uh, no, I, I love Lapidus in this final season. The other thing um, I, I really like, and I don't know if this is actually what he says before the submarine door hits him, but I just feel like he always says, terrific. Like, I feel like that's, that's his go-to word, or maybe that's just when he looks inside the box in season five and sees Locke's body in there. But, I, like, that's just the line that I think of is terrific. Um, the other thing I like about Lapidus uh, coming back on the show and then being a you know a pretty big character on the show from basically the time he's introduced until the very end, uh, he being left alive at the very end uh, means that he is an instrumental part of what I imagine to be the Lost Universe's equivalent of the Ghostbusters, which is Lapidus, Richard Alpert, Miles, and Sawyer. When they get off the island, they go into business together. This is part of Lost 2, or is this yeah, something yeah, yeah. separate? No, this is, this is a spinoff. This is Lost 2. Uh, but I think Lost 2 might be like one of those like cinematic universes where there's a bunch of movies and shows of their own that build together kind of Voltron style until they get to the Avengers. Merchandising. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So this is one of those ideas. Did you think that Lapidus died the first time you watched Lost when the submarine thing happened? Did you think yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then you kind of realize that, no, he's, he's okay. He's swimming. That sucks. That must have been a horrible couple of days. Oh, just stranded out there. How much did he pee his pants? A lot or a little? I, I imagine it might help keep the sharks away, so that would be a good thing. Yeah, this is my territory. Is that a valid strategy to pee yourself in the water and that keeps sharks away? It can't hurt. It could potentially hurt. I don't know anything about sharks. Uh, you're absolutely right. I or Dharma know, sharks. I, the only shark I know is Ezra James Sharkington. I have no idea who that is. Wow. Oh, yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. He's the the shark that swims by underneath the raft. Come on. All right. Took me a second. Let's Uh, get a number eight. This is the the second lost number to appear on the board uh, following 15. And we've talked about parts of the sideways that work for me, parts of the sideways that don't. And one of the things that I do kind of like are is the emotional resonance of the jogged memory scenes. Not all of them, but I think there's a few when Charlie steers Desmond in and he's looking at him underneath the water and he flashes back to not Penny's boat. I think that's a really cool scene. I think when Jin and Son are in the hospital and they both remember how to speak English, you know, if you're a quantophile, that's a really touching, touching moment. Um, or my, my personal favorite is when Charlie, Claire and Kate are all backstage at the Faraday concert and they help, uh, they help birth Aaron. And I think that that's sort of it season six for me in many ways doesn't serve as, uh, the sideways doesn't serve as its own separate story. It's a way of reminding us where we came from and showing us maybe what would have been if we hadn't seen, all of the other things that we had seen. And I just thought that going back, looking at it, it, it's, it's really touching when Kate's been there for both of Aaron's births and she tried to raise him. And that's a whole other issue. But I just thought that some of those softy very well. You're a dad, Pete. You have to be, man. You have to be. I got a daughter. She, uh, she likes pink and you know, bows in her hair. Not really with the bows, but she does like pink. She'll get there. Yeah. Um, no, the, the jog memory scenes, for the most part are fantastic. I think the only one I I don't not to pick on it again too much, but the, the Shannon and Saeed one, you know, I can kind of take or leave, but listen, when, when we get the, I mean, everybody knows I'm a huge John Locke guy. And when we get that scene where he is in the bed after his surgery and he can wiggle his toes and it cuts to him wiggling his toes for the first time on the Island, it crushes me every time. And the, the Charlie one, the Charlie Kate Claire scene is spectacular. That's really terrific stuff. 
So uh, reason number seven, we'll just keep rolling along here, um, is the Ben Widmore confrontation that ultimately ends in what they died for. I just really, I really like that Ben just comes up and shoots him in the chest and says he doesn't get a chance to save his daughter. What is better, that or the smoke monster just slicing Zoe's throat wide open? Uh, effectively killing off the single worst character mistake in the history of Lost. It's so true. She's the worst, right? Yeah, and she's part of that extraneous noise that I'm talking about from season six that just didn't, didn't need to be there. You could have Form, serve that function in so many other ways. She didn't need to be there. Ben just coming up and just the look in his eyes when, when you realize that it was Ben just pulling the trigger, you're like, yeah, that's how that one ends. Right. But does that violate whatever rules existed between Ben and Widmore? You know, they talk about how like he broke the rules and like one day I'm going to kill your daughter. Was there any sense that these two couldn't kill each other and then that's just like completely shattered any illusion of that do you feel like that's at all a cheat or do you think that that was just people like fan theorizing that they couldn't do stuff like this to each other i think it was a moral code that ben linus throws out the window when kimi shoots alex yeah as opposed to any kind of literal thing right as opposed to the the real jacob can't harm the man in black type deal um you know that was clearly like there was a a a, a prohibition against that set on by by mother gaia or whoever that was um but i think i think that was more of just like an honor code of we're not going to kill each other we're not going to harm each other's family no matter what we try to do it's for the island but it's not worth death but once once alex gets shot i feel ben doesn't care anymore that's rough that's it. That's it for you. You know, you killed my daughter and now I will kill you. Yeah. Um, so when, when he kills Widmore, how much of that is like personal vengeance versus he's like kind of trying to shut him up too. Right. A little, a little bit in terms of, because at that, that point they're talking to Locke, but I, I really think that it was almost 100% personal. <laughs> personal. I, I want to kill you because how many more chances is he going to get after he gets out of there if they do get out of there? Or what if what if uh, he just turns around and kills Widmore anyway once he talks? Right. I think Ben wanted to be the man who pulled the trigger. Right. Is he is Ben like an authentic shithead uh, murder bot at this point or is like some of this like self-deprecating I'm a bad guy thing? Is that a ruse? Do you think that like he has at this point that he kills Widmore is like sort of his like Dr. Linus, you know, kind of uh, eureka moments where he realizes he just wants to be accepted and he feels terrible about the stuff he's done. Is that out the window at that point? Or do you think that that coexists with what he does to? Well, I think it definitely coexists because he does end up being Hurley's number two. And if he had gone, you know, full bad guy, I don't think that he could have ended up at that point. The smoke monster's dead and like he can he can kind of get back to that stuff. That's true. But I don't know. I feel like anytime you classify a lost character as one thing or the other, you sort of lose focus on the show because the show is very much about how people have different sides to them. And the hero is not always the hero and the villain is not always the villain. And you can love the torturer. And I think that that he can have both of those elements in his personality and still be a reasonable character. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep this going at a reasonable pace. Let's go to number six. Going from from ultimate enemies to the closest of people on the show uh, when Jin and Sun finally get back together in The Last Recruit. For five seconds. For five seconds. And you can hit on it for, for that. But and I did I did the math today, Josh. I came to play. It was six hundred and ninety one days 
of actual time in the real world that we were watching between the season four finale and the time that they got back together. That's insane. So for, for a pay person, you know, he's come up a few times, Mike Bloom, who's a quan fanatic. You didn't even know if they were going to get back together. Like for a while in season five, I thought maybe one of them might die. Who knows? But we had to wait so long. And in that moment when she comes around the tree and they hug, I think you just got to love it. I think you got to love Jin and Sun finally seeing each other. And at this point, I would like to issue a mea culpa for my previous statements on Jin saying in the submarine. After having rewatched it, I totally get where he's coming from. I think that I've voiced how I would swim out and go to my daughter. I've also met my daughter. If you think about it, he never knew his daughter. He only knew his wife very early in the pregnancy, like not even to the point where the baby would be kicking or anything. He only knew his wife and he spent all of his time and energy trying to get back to her. And while for me as a father, I'd make a different decision. I can see why it would be important for him to stay with her in that moment, as opposed to going and finding his daughter who, who may just deem him a stranger and never really love him. Right. So I think I think that there's a lot more to it than I was maybe giving it credit for at first. But I I just love that that they got back together and were able to see each other and enjoy each other's hug at least one last time uh, before before it all ended for him. Um, does it justify does the, the kind of the happiness of the moment? Does it justify how long the show keeps them apart from each other? And even more specifically, since we're talking about season six, the fact that it takes so long into the final season to get these two characters in the same room together when really, if you think about it, there are probably opportunities to do it earlier. You know, do we need the package, the episode that, uh, that Jin and Sun are in? Is that fluff? Because to me, that's fluff. Um, to me, those episodes, you know, that episode in particular is not a terrific episode of Lost. Um, do, we, do we, you know, does, does the moment like this, which I'll grant you is cathartic and beautiful and tear jerking. And again, I voiced this concern about Jin and Sun. It's not particularly sexy. I feel like their chemistry could, could have been a little better. Um, does it, does it justify that stuff? Does it justify the fact that they are split up from each other for so damn long, especially this season? I think that there are several timing issues in season six. You've previously voiced the opinion that, um, across the sea should be viewed second in line. And that's actually how well, I did it anyway. on my second rewatch. And I think it fits so much better there. And it, it has references that if you see them the first time around, you then get while you're watching season six, which helped to tie everything back together. Because by the time you figure out what the white rocks, black rocks are in across the sea, you don't remember really that uh, when, flock took Sawyer down to the cave he tossed one in yeah, you remember that on the rewatch but you don't remember it at first and I think that it provides a lot more resonance and I think that the, that the same could be said for Jin and Sun meeting they could have put them together earlier in the season and given them a little bit more time that I think ultimately would have been better but that moment when they when they finally do see each other I think is, a, is an ultimate payoff in the show and they you can really tell that that is true love. And I think the sexiest scene 
that does happen between them is from the flash sideways when they first get to the hotel and she starts undressing. So it is another, another check mark in the flash sideways category. Fair enough. Do we get any gin butt on the show? I don't think we get any real people. Know I, I, I like the butts. Everybody likes the butts. And if you don't, you got to get on board. The um, butt board. But the butt board? <laughs> the butt board. <laughs> yeah, surf on that butt board. Uh, yeah, I don't think that we ever get any gin butt. No, I don't um, think Are so. you going to talk more about the last recruit specifically? Not particularly. Okay. I think that episode is shockingly underrated. Your thoughts? <clears throat> In terms of the, 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 the things that it accomplishes, I think it really is a nice little push towards towards the end because it's it comes a, it's a chess piece episode right there you go that's what that's the word i was looking yeah, for it's a, it's a chess piece episode and you know those aren't always going to be the best episodes of anything and they might not be the episodes that you remember the best and i certainly don't fault anybody who doesn't even really remember what goes on in the last recruit it's the episode right. where where jack and and not Locke are going to sit down for the first time together uh this guy is going to tell him he was the christian shepherd apparitions earlier in the show we're going to get jack and claire talking as brother and sister for the very first time we're going to see jack and sawyer back together after a very long absence of being together we're going to see sawyer putting a plan into motion to get everybody away from not lock uh we get that epic moment of jack jumping off the ship after he has this conversation with sawyer uh, i think that that's the episode where saeed flirts with killing desmond in the well but doesn't go through with it it I, absolutely is i think that this is for me I, i've said this before i think I, I don't think that this is something that i've said that's new on on these podcasts i think that this is like the last for me true to form lost episode like this is the last kind of like classic adventure lost episode before shit really hits the fan and for that reason it is super high on my list of favorite season six episodes i think outside of the finale i think it's my favorite it's it's our uh, it's our jungle it's our jungle team you know and you traversing know I love that and, stuff. and going off with the with that original season one soundtrack dude dude yep you know that that whole thing and I you, Claire following behind crazy hair Claire and the the scene with Desmond speaking to Saeed from the last recruit is what are you gonna tell her yeah what are you gonna say that you did to bring her back you right. know like that's i don't think that he had considered that until that very moment and he's like shit <laughs> oh you asshole you just ruined this for right me. <laughs> i could have done it and now i can't yeah uh you shouldn't let desmond speak to you either i guess no uh no that's it, it's a it's a terrific episode and that's that's one of the episodes from season six really one of the rare episodes from season six that i would just happily just turn on just put on tv just have that on in the background or even just sit down and watch without watching anything before or after. It's just, uh, I, I love this episode so much. Yeah. So, uh, top five reasons here, here top we five, go. Baby. Let's no, go. Number, number five, Sawyer and miles as buddy cops. All right. Yeah. The, I mean, this is, a, this is a, this is a crowd pleaser for sure. It's, it's a, it's a winner. I'd watch that TV show any day. I think you've talked about it before. I know you wrote about it a little bit in, in some of the stuff you've done for lost. I, they're just a great pair that scene in the, in the locker room where, uh, Miles confronts Sawyer about going to Australia and Sawyer's like, you ran my credit card. He's like, you lied to me. And in that moment, Sawyer's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I did. I did lie to you. 
So I just think that that's a really great pairing. And I think that that's one of the better, better things to come out of the flash sideways. A hundred percent agreed. Completely co-signed. I will a thousand percent sign off on that. And what's interesting is I think it comes, it, it debuts in a shitty episode. I think yes. Recon is a bad episode. Of I would agree with that. Uh, I don't think it's very good. Uh, I think, you know, when, when I was power ranking um, episodes of Lost, like I had very few that were in like the legitimately not great category. And I think above that I had like uh, not good not good. I think Recon was in that area. Uh, there's enough about it that saves it to, from, from being a truly bad episode of Lost, I think. And I think a, a huge part of that, if not you know, the everything, is the, the sideways with Sawyer and Miles is really terrific stuff. And I think that it is one of those storylines that you really do want to see explored in its own spinoff show. You know, one of, the, one of the big reports that was coming out of Lost when the show ended was that there was going to be um, a bad robot show. Um, the, the production company behind Lost was going to do some sort of um, like hitman buddy comedy with Terry O'Quinn and Michael Emerson. So we were going to get the lock and Ben Dream Team back together. And that never happened. And that's super depressing that it never happened. Uh, but if we could have had the Miles Sawyer spinoff or some version of that, um, would have been pretty great. Even if it wasn't like a proper lost sequel, just having those two characters and those two actors on the same show together would have been just a really fantastic thing. I'm one of those people who gets pumped anytime I see, you know, one of our lost actors get work on another show. You know, they keep popping up on Once Upon a Time and and a bunch of other things. And I, I just really support those those people because I think that they're all so talented and you know they, they and a really lot of do them just like work. haven't gotten the kind of work that you would expect you would think so you'd think so uh but it didn't work out for everybody um do you do you um pete do you know about this comic book called chew chew no never heard of this uh it's this comic book by uh, a writer named john layman and an artist named rob gillery uh it's written uh it's published by image comics it's been out for a few years now i don't know when it came out came out at the top of my head uh it's a it's a great comic it takes place in like a kind of near future where chickens have been outlawed uh there was this horrible outbreak of avian flu that really kind of didn't completely cripple the world but was bad enough that no more chickens we're, we're out on chickens chickens are gone uh and it stars this guy who works for uh the fda uh he is an fda agent named tony chu uh he has this super ability he has much like how miles can speak to the dead can communicate with people who have passed tony chu has a similar ability to glean psychic information from anything he eats. Uh, he can take a bite out of a fruit and he can tell you exactly where it grew, uh, who the people who grew it were. He can, he can eat a steak. He can tell you everything about the farm. Uh, he can eat a dead body. He could eat your thumb if you were a corpse on the ground and he can find out how you were killed, all of this information. Even if you were alive, you could probably do that. Um, and he has a partner uh, named Colby, I believe, John Colby. Um, these characters, he's like this you know, big, surly, badass, cop who gives Tony Chu a lot of crap. Uh, These two characters are the spitting image of Miles and Sawyer. 
Uh, Tony Chu is basically Ken Lung and Colby is basically Josh Holloway. And I think that um, that John Lehman knew this. Uh, and I think Rob Gilroy knew this as well to the point I've, I interviewed him uh, for comicbookresources.com a few times. And he had always said that Ken Lung was the guy that he wanted to play Tony Chu. Uh, I think that they ended up doing an animated adaptation of it. And uh, Glenn from The Walking Dead, Stephen Yun, ended up doing the voice for Tony Chu instead. Uh, but there was at least once upon a time where some version of the Flash Sideways cop show could have happened. And in fact, if you go and you seek out this comic book and you read it, believing that it, these are characters who are played and voiced by Ken Lung and Josh Holloway, you will greatly enjoy yourself. You'll enjoy yourself anyway. Uh, this is like a free commercial for Chew. Chew is a, it's a really fun comic book. It has a finite ending. I don't think it's done yet. I think it's supposed to run 60 issues, and I'm not sure exactly where it is. I think it's in its 40s, but it's a really weird book, really fun. I'd recommend it for anybody who really likes Lost and might be even like passingly interested in giving a comic book a shot. That's my plug for Chew. And that's what I always think about when I think about the flash sideways cops. See, and now you got me on Amazon looking for it. Yeah. Already. Well, look at it after we're podcast. Okay. I some, will. Some, I will. Some professionalism here. I will. Right. Um, so you actually recently said that outside that, uh, the last recruit was one of your favorites. And I, I actually disagree because I know what your favorite is. You put your rankings out and that would be Abiturno, which is my fourth reason. Abiturno is terrific. I think that that in terms of an episode and, and a I, payoff also for everything. Clarify, I think I, I have Abiturno as one of the, as a better episode. You do. Than the last you, recruit. You, you do. It's, it was, it ended up being, I believe number like 11 on your, when you guys did the, the draft of the episodes it ended up just outside the top 10 but if you look at the top 10 there are three finales there's two desmonds two bens a lock and a faraday and then after that was ranked this episode it's so emotionally powerful when he's talking to the ghost of his wife at the end if that doesn't give you chills I don't know what emotionless planet you come from, but you must be a Vulcan because that is one of the best, one of the best scenes. And, you know, Hurley is, you know, you can tell that Hurley's trying to do this intermediary thing. And I just love Abiturno. I don't think enough can be said for that episode. We had wondered about Richard for so long. And I think pretty much every note that they try to hit in that episode, they do perfectly. Yeah. Avatar is a good example of the answers being delivered well. Um, You know, the Richard Albert thing, why doesn't he age, all that stuff. Um, That was, you know, even the Black Rock and, um, you know, what happened to the statue. Those were questions that people had been asking about for years, for a very long time. And I think this episode deals... Uh, with the answers of all of those questions very well uh, story driven character driven stuff uh, it's like the for me it's the exact opposite of the whispers uh, which really feels tacked on and forced this feels really natural when when you find out that uh, Richard and the Black Rock are tied together that that's how he came to the island uh, that the Black Rock got like shot into the middle of the jungle on a horrible storm that ended up destroying the statue as well uh, I think that that is all really really cool stuff and of course the emotional you know the emotional aspect of this episode is humongous um you know there's there's more emotional episodes of lost i I believe based on how i've ranked them how we rank them as a panel here on on the lost lives podcast as well um you know the constant is a very easy one that comes to mind um in terms of you know real character specific episodes that are super emotional um i think that 
I think that what they do here with Richard Alpert waiting for this final season and, you know, about midway through the final season too, uh, I believe, um, to give you all of that information, to give you that flashback that people have been waiting for a while and to be able to deliver the way they do is, is really impressive and shows that the writer's room still had juice in the tank, that they, you know, even at this point, even this close to the finish line, they really were delivering um, on, on some of the big things that you really wanted to see. So um, I'll, I'll clarify that I, I would enjoy Enjoy watching the last recruit more than sitting down and watching Abiturno. I think Abiturno is a very heavy experience, yes. but I think I think it's a it's a it's a better crafted episode for sure. And I think that it is um, it's it's really great. It's really great, and it's you know there there are a few people I know that don't love the episode, and for for my money, I, I can't fully understand why that is. But there are certainly people who um, don't jive with Abiturno. Uh, but I think that they're few and far between. I think that this is a pretty easy episode to agree on as the best of season six, if not among the best of season six, at least, um, and worthy of being just shy of the top 10. And for some people being in the top 10. Absolutely. And it just, like I said, there's so much within the episode. It starts off, you know, that Nestor Carbonell, he or Richard Alpert doesn't really want to to lead them and he's totally checked out on Jacob and it just works him through this whole story that is just very, very tragic. And it does give you those little answers in there that we needed to sort of have. How did the Black Rock get in the middle of the jungle? Okay, giant wave. Given what we know about the island, that totally makes sense. And I just think it's it's really good and you're absolutely right. Very heavy, but but so rewarding after we've known him for so long in the, in the series. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it, it does remind me though, you know, sometimes when I watch the episode, like why, why did we need, you know, the sideways? It does, it does stick out to me every once in a while because it's just like the flashbacks still had it. Uh, there was still stuff we could have done there, but you know, that's nitpicking. Um, and it's, you know, I think it's focusing on the wrong stuff. I think, uh, rather than really kind of bemoaning that stuff, I think it's, it's a better, you know, it's a better use of your energy, a better use of your time to just be really excited that an episode like this did exist in the final season. And to be excited about my top three reasons. Yeah. All right. So let's get into this. It's the top three. Uh, Abiturno final of the at, at number four is the last loss number on the board. Yes. Uh, top three. Way to be. Let's hear it. What do you got at three? I got Desmond's role of stirring the drink in the flash sideways starting and happily ever after when he kind of gets his his reveal and just how he starts to settle the stuff in motion and how he goes right against Eloise who tells him to stop but he still kind of continues and he orchestrates this whole plan that gets Saeed out of jail and Kate out of jail and he gets them all to come back and I just Desmond is so wonderful as a character he's so much fun and he pops up so sporadically throughout the show where he'll be an integral part for a few episodes and then he kind of goes away for a little bit and then he plays an integral part for a few episodes but pretty much starting in happily ever after until the end of the series he he just kills it Desmond is a character it's just so much fun to watch even you know when he's sitting in the in the restaurant talking with Hurley about the chicken every single scene that it has Desmond in the flash sideways. I just absolutely love. He's a beautiful man. He is. He's got beautiful hair. I don't love his red shirt in the final season. In, in the picture? No, that he, the, he's, wearing, he's wearing a red shirt in the final Oh, I know what you're talking about. You know, yeah. I don't like it because it made me very nervous that something bad was going to happen to Desmond because something bad always happens to the red shirt. 
I think that was intentional. I think that was intentional. I think that's why they did it. Uh, but I just didn't like the look. I like him, you know, I like him in his, in his blue shirt. But that's uh, another nitpick. I'm, I'm, not, nitpick. I'm not here to critique uh, lost fashion, although that's not a terrible idea for a future podcast. Um, I, I really do, as much as I don't love the Flash Sideways stuff, it does pick up steam when Desmond starts to figure out what the hell is going on and what he needs to start showing everybody else. Um, happily Ever After, I think, is an episode that a lot of people think of pretty fondly, and mm-hmm. I don't think about it too fondly myself. Um, I don't love the episode itself. I love a lot of the stuff that comes after it. You know, Desmond knowing a secret that the other characters in the sideways don't know, and we at the time as an audience don't know either. It, it gives him a really cool confidence, uh, a good swagger about him, some really enjoyable stuff to, to watch him, um, you know, kind of dance around other people and have this, have this secret that's, uh, you know, batting around his head. I think it's a, it's a fun look for Desmond for sure. I just need to show them something. Yeah. I just need to show him something is a good line. And also Minkowski as his driver is pretty good. It's another one of those uses of, of the sideways characters. Cause even in that one, he's, he, you know, at the beginning, he's trying to hook Desmond up with a prostitute and it's like, all right, buddy, lay off. Yeah. Lay off me. <laughs> Weirdo. Yeah. His <laughs> psycho pants. Uh, yeah. Minkowski is, is good. Uh, I w- that's one of my, my regrets about lost. I wish we could have had more Minkowski. All right. Am- let's go to, let's go to two. Number number two is actually a, a two part reason, and it is the Matthew Fox and Terry O'Quinn dynamic. Okay, I and I say the actors' names, not the characters' names, because go back and watch season six. Not just in how Terry O'Quinn plays the nuances of Man in Black versus Lock in the Sideways, but also watch how Matthew Fox interacts with Terry O'Quinn in those different scenes, because you can tell a very different tone and demeanor just infiltrates every moment of their conversation, which is not present in the other episodes in the other seasons where he's just Locke because Jack was always kind of dismissive of Locke once they became man of science, man of faith. He never really respected it. And just to come to that last realization in the final season where he does become the man of faith, he jumps off Sawyer's boat. He pushes Locke in the water because, you know, John Locke was the one who told him he needed to come back to the island. I just think there's so the the acting performances of those two in that final season is so incredible and it carries so much weight when you just go back and watch and you can tell that that there really is this this difference in the way that Jack treats them it's it's evident and it wasn't to me the first time because the first time you watch it you're just so caught up in what's happening you don't have time to think about that but when you can really take a step back and just watch them go at it you know Ben and and Locke get a lot of credit for being the two best actors on the show and sometimes i think and you've talked about this on, on the podcast is that Matthew Fox gets overlooked just because he is so omnipresent in the show. He is the lead character. He is the main driving force for a lot of it, but his performance in season six might actually be, I think the best that Jack has to offer. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I, I think that um, it's really easy to think of Jack as a boring character. You know, it's really, in, it, it's, it's not difficult to like, just walk away from Lost and say like, ah, Matthew Fox, he was there. You know, you're, when you're talking about your favorite characters, it's easier to say Locke. It's easier to say Sawyer, uh, Hurley, you know, Desmond. These, these are people that come to mind before Jack for a lot of people. Um, and I'm guilty of it as well, but I, 
I do believe that I've said this quite a bit and I hold to it that Jack is for me a huge highlight of season six. I think that what the show ends up doing with Jack from the very beginning to the very end, I think is one of the most satisfying character arcs on the show. And I think Matthew Fox does terrific work. I think that he does really, really special work once he kind of, um, once his character starts to acknowledge that there are special things going on. Um, and I think that that even, you know, it happens earlier than season six. You know, I think, um, my, maybe my favorite Jack moment in the whole show is when he wakes up back on the island in 316. Um, just like the, the, the huge difference in poise when he comes back to the island for the second time. And this time it's like, okay, I'm here. Mission time, time to go. Uh, this, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to do this. Damn it! You know, it's just it's it's really really terrific stuff. And I think that um, the Jack character arc for me in my in my rewatch of Lost that I did last summer, uh, walking away from that was just um, it was awesome. It, it was awesome, and that was one of the really really true delights of the Lost rewatch for me. Um, with with Terry O'Quinn. Uh, with John Locke, who I've repeatedly said is my favorite character, not just on Lost, but basically in anything. I'm, I feel really deeply, primally connected to John Locke. Uh, I think he is just the greatest. Um, I, I'm not one of the people who is unhappy with how the Locke character ends. I think that Locke, like Jack, has one of the best arcs on the show, has one of the most satisfying arcs on the show in his, you know, kind of his legacy in what he means to people after he's gone, I think is uh, really bold storytelling. Um, it's not surface level satisfying. It's kind of hard to find. I don't know if, it, if, it, if it's hard, but it takes some work. It takes some mental gymnastics to get to the place where you're really, really firmly okay with the way they handle the lock thing. Um, and, you know, it, it really comes down to that final scene between, well, not the final scene, but one of the final scenes in that final episode where Jack, you know, calls out, the smoke monster and says like, you're not lock. You wear his face, but you're a disgrace to his memory and all that stuff. Uh, it's like, finally someone at least says it out loud on the show. Um, and with that dynamic in play, you really do appreciate where Jack has come with lock, uh, like where he has come around on this guy that he used to mock ruthlessly to his face. Somebody who he really, if he'd had his druthers would have killed a couple of times. Um, it's really cool to see Jack at that place. It's really cool to see that that's where Locke's legacy is at as much as I to ride the sideways there's no denying the the visual power of seeing john Locke get out of that wheelchair outside of the church is such a good scene i have issues with the writing for the smoke monster i have issues with um, a lot of this stuff with i gotta kill the candidates i gotta trick the candidates i gotta trick the audience the viewers into thinking that maybe he's got a point maybe he's got an agenda that you could back that you could believe in. it's almost you know it's, come on i'm not stupid I've watched Lost for a while. This is the smoke monster. He's done awful things. He could be complicated, but don't, you know, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Don't, don't give me the smoke monster and tell him he might be a good guy. Uh, and I think that that's one of the things that season six does really wrong for me is they spend a lot of time trying to make you think that there might be something, if not pure, than something that you're rooting for in terms of what the smoke monster is up to. And it's all immediately out the window when the submarine blows up and so many people have died at his hands uh, because of what he has put into motion. That's the smoke monster I would have really liked to have seen more of in the final season. That being said, that has nothing to do with the performance. And yeah, I, I totally agree with the, the criticisms that you have. The, some of the 
some of the con man stuff that he tries to pull is just it, it's very obvious that it's that's what's coming, especially, you know, yeah, he's already pulled off this great con that, you know, got John Locke killed. Like we trust this guy. I don't right. Think so. We know he's a con man. We don't need you to then reemphasize it with him switching the backpacks and all of that. Once again, I think you could have told the story in a different way, but Terry O'Quinn, given what he was given, right. still, I think, carries that role as the man in black wearing John Locke's face so wonderfully from beginning to end not having fear. He, he makes a, a, a comment or Sawyer makes a comment to him early on. Um, John Locke was always afraid. And when you're watching it, going back and seeing the, the on Island Locke, who's not actually Locke, you can really tell that Terry O'Quinn is playing it from a different yes. point of view. He, yes. he absolutely is actively thinking about it in the choices he makes, in the way he holds his body, in the way he addresses people. Everything is slightly different and you can't really put your finger on it until you just think about it for a second. This isn't John Locke. Everybody goes and accepts it. They just call him Locke. They call, even though they all know it's not. And Jackie's the first person to call him out. And Matthew Fox is just so, so wonderful in how he, he's disgusted. He is disgusted by the man wearing John Locke's face. And that's the best way I can put it. And I, I think that their performances are just so strong. And even if you don't like some of the other stuff that goes in the flash sideways, if you can just watch it for those scenes, if you could condense those scenes down, I think you would have some really wonderful bits and nuggets that come out of there, which don't happen in a lot of the other seasons because it's just not available. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, here we go. What's the number one defense so, of season six? A lot of times when people talk about Lost, in fact, it was one of the first questions you asked me about when, when I came on. Yes. Am I a, a mysteries person or am I a character person? And I feel that that's kind of a false dichotomy because I don't think you can really have one without the other. So I'm going to call my number one reason interconnected stories. And it's sort of my defense of the Flash Sideways as a whole and the way that they tie in a lot of the different things that go on is that Yes, the characters are really wonderful, but in a vacuum, there there are elements that are really interesting and elements that are not so interesting. And then in a vacuum, some of the mysteries are really interesting and some of them are. It's when you combine all of those things that really make Lost what it is. When we're learning about the Dharma Initiative at first and we're watching those videos and John's like, you don't want to watch that again? You know, we didn't know that some of our people that we know from the beach, 815, are part of the Dharma Initiative. And that's what makes it so cool. And I really do think that that's what they were trying to show in The Flash Sideways is how even if they weren't connected in this particular island event, all of these people would have still been connected. They still would have had experiences. They still would have crossed paths. And there's a lot to be said for, I think, the the general idea of that they're trying to put out there is that we are all really connected and there are different things that they come about on a daily basis and you don't know how you're going to be connected now in in one reality neil froger gets a an arrow to his chest and in another you know he's sleeping with a face mask on i think that there's a lot to be said for the interconnectedness of the story being the unique part of lost and the mysteries aren't necessarily unique there have been other shows that have done mysteries there have been other shows that have done really good characters but lost takes this balance of 
everything. Polar bears are really cool. The cooler thing about polar bears is when you find out that they were in the Darm Initiative and that that's how we get Charlotte to the island because she's researching the polar bears. That's what makes the polar bears cool is that they cross all of these different stories. And Lost is really a totality. There's there's so much that you have to take in with it that tries to connect and touch in different ways that other shows have tried and just failed miserably at. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's that's been, you know, that's, I think, a huge underrated part of why Lost landed the way that it did. You know, it, you, we, we did these, we started these podcasts because we were building up to the, you know, the 10 year anniversary of the very first episode. And while we were doing that on the podcasts, there were, you know, fans of Lost from all around the world making the pilgrimage to Oahu, to, to Hawaii, to celebrate with each other, to, to watch the first episode together, to um, not even to necessarily meet the cast, although um, Jorge Garcia was, was there for, for a Q&A, but people who went there to be with each other, to be with people who got it, to be with people who were, you know, as immersed in this story, uh, were as connected, interconnected with this story, as, as you would put it, Pete, uh, as, as they were. Um, it's a really special experience. And I mean, it's not totally unique. There are certainly stories and franchises and films and shows and books that have inspired a similar level of, you know, f- sort of, you know, feverish fandom, um, you know, really bringing people together like a, a Star Wars comes to mind really easily. Uh, Game of Thrones is a, is a good present example. Um, but Lost was very much of that type. And it's it's not I wouldn't say that it's it's rare to have that, um, but it's not the norm either. You know, it's not a it's not a given um, and right. the way that Lost did that for fans um, at the time that it was doing that and in the way that it was doing that in terms of it being reflected in the story of not just the viewers, you know, this meta way getting drawn together and connected together. But that was the story itself. You know, in the in the end, it really kind of is about this black hole that everyone is getting sucked into, you know, this vortex of, you know, swirling evil at the at the core of this island that needs to be kept at bay. And you are all super important people that need to play a role in keeping this thing at bay ends up being the story, uh, which is kind of wild that that's also the story of the show from a meta perspective, that that's the story of the fans and the writers and all of the creative people who got brought together because of Lost. So it, it is a cool thing that season six does accomplish in the end that, I mean, it's a little hokey as well, but hokey is fine. Um, but, but I do think that it's pretty, it's pretty nice that that's, you know, kind of the final message that, you, that the show gives you. And ultimately, I don't expect anybody the, what I've, you know, the reasons that I've laid out to transform, you know, season six into other people's favorite season. As we've talked about, it's probably still my least favorite season out of the bunch. But there is some very classic and great moments that can be found if you can sort of tune out the other noise of Zoe and Alana and, and a lot of the other extraneous stuff that's going on and really focus on the elements that are good within the season. You can really derive a lot of pleasure and a lot of joy from watching it. And I don't think it's this indefensible beast. I don't think that it is without merit. I'm not one of these people who's going to come in and post it. I don't watch season six because I think there's so much good that comes out of it. If you're willing to 
to really watch it for those elements. If you're looking to be upset about the fact that they didn't give you every answer, sure, you're going to find that. If you want to be upset that maybe they didn't give you the answers that you wanted or that, you know, Saeed didn't die when you would have killed him, then that's, you know, that's something that you you feel personally. But that doesn't mean that season six doesn't have the goodness that makes us all love and cherish lost. And that's ultimately what I wanted to convey with, with those reasons. Yeah. Uh, well, fair enough, man. Uh, so, so would you say, how about, how about, uh, how, how about this season six, not your favorite season of lost. Um, it is what you would consider potentially even the lowest ranked season of lost would you say that it's more hit than miss uh would you say it is more miss than hit what's the what's the ratio ultimately like what what is your you know there are obviously reasons to enjoy it as you've just outlined for you overall what's your enjoyment level when you when you watch this obviously enough that you went back and you watched it right away if you were taking each episode and just putting them in either the the really good or really bad category, I think it's going to be mostly miss. If you're watching it for Jack and Ter- for for Matthew Fox and Terry O'Quinn going at it, if you can pull the Sawyer Miles uh, buddy cop stuff out of Recon, which is not necessarily the best episode, I think that there are elements in each episode which hit perfect notes. So I think that ultimately there are things that carry each episode and if you look back across the history of, of loss there are you all everybody's comes to mind there are some episodes which just aren't total non-starters the worst and does season six have some of those sure but i don't think that there's off the top of my head i can't think of really a single episode which i think is totally unwatchable from from that list i think that there are quite a few which probably rank you know, lower, but I, I, there was a quote that you said um, during when you guys were ranking them and you said it started to get hard around pick 80. Yeah. You know, yeah, totally. there, there are about 80, 85, 90 episodes of this show, which are yeah, just a hundred some odd, you know, absolutely fantastic. And sure, a few of the ones that are not so great are are in season six. Dr. Line is what Kate did, you know, some some of those things. But there are some really great moments to be found in lots of different elements of season six. How about Sawyer? Sawyer is your favorite character outside of the cop stuff, outside of the sideways cop stuff with Sawyer. How do you feel about Sawyer in season six and how the show kind of treats him on his way out the door? It's hard for me to judge Sawyer because he was so into Juliet. It really felt like the first time in his life that he was happy. And then that gets ripped away from him so suddenly, so drastically. And it's by a person who ultimately he's never really had the most fondness for in Jack, or at least that's who he puts it on. Um, there, there are parts of, of the way Sawyer goes out that I'm not the biggest fan of, but I do think he he serves a purpose throughout, and I like how he kind of waffles back and forth between I tr- I'm, I'm with Locke, I'm not with Locke, I'm, I'm trying to leave on the sub. But Sawyer's a man of action, and that's always what he's been. So even when he's in there and, and he's trying to uh, 
to pull the wires from to stop the sub from exploding. I think that, that was an interesting change from the man of science, man of faith, because Jack says nothing is going to happen, which to me instantly reminds me of when uh, Jack's in the in the hatch and saying nothing's going to happen if we don't push the button. It's sort of a, a, a role reversal where Jack's trying to get you not to do something that he knows is going to be wrong, whereas early on he didn't. I think Sawyer really needs to be there to sort of drive a lot of the story because he is the only one who was back in in the early days uh, who was in charge. You know, he he became the leader of Miles and, and Jen and all of them. So I think Sawyer goes out on a really high note in terms of just ending ending up being one of my favorite characters and how he really just ties everything together. And sort of is the leader of that side group, which was one of his his roles very early on, too. Kind of amazing that they let Sawyer live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a character you really could have easily seen not making it through. Especially early on. All right. Well, let's let's go over this again. Let's let's get the quick hits. Let's for everybody who who somehow uh, wasn't writing all of this down. Shame on you. Uh, people who just want the quick list of 15 to one. Can you can you condense that? Can you can you repeat what we what we just went over here, Coconut Pete? Fifteen, the final scene where Jack is closing his eyes next to Vincent. Fourteen, the black smoke monster or the answers we don't like because Lost gets hit for not answering things when it answers a lot more than a lot of people give it credit for. Thirteen, Saeed fighting Dogen, ninja versus military, always going to be a winner. Um Probably my weakest reason ended up being 12, which is the use of the side characters. But we had a lot of we agreed that there were some some elements to those which were which were fun little shout outs. Eleven is happy. Hurley can't get enough of uh, Hugo Reyes being a, a happy guy. Number 10, the new man in charge, which is the epilogue. Nine, Frank Lupita starring as your comic relief for season six. Eight is the emotional resonance of the jogged memory scenes in the sideways. Uh, seven is the finality of the Ben and Widmore confrontation. Six is when Jin and Sun finally reunite. Then the top five are Sawyer Miles as Buddy Cops. Number four is the episode, uh, the best episode of season six, which is Abiturno. Number three is Desmond's role in the Flash Sideways starting at Happily Ever After until the end. Number two is the dynamic that occurs between Matthew Fox and Terry O'Quinn, not just lock and jack but also jack in the not lock and then number one i call it interconnected stories which was really lost ability to balance mysteries and characters and weave them all together as one cohesive unit that that just hold this immense story of so many different elements that really came together and just hit on all these notes and draw drew so many people together you know listening to these episodes of uh, the podcast, you really hear that a lot of people have just seized on this show. And it really helps that I think all these pathways and connections are formed throughout it. Yeah. Um, let's also just get your final take on your rewatch um, experience. You watched all of Lost uh, again for the first time all the way through um, or the second time all the way through rather uh, in a fairly short period of time, a few months, I would mm -hmm. say. Um, and I'm just curious about your takeaway. Ultimately, you walk away from this show and you're like, oh, this show is bullshit. It's not worth the time. There is not a single way that you can even begin to say that. I think that I the elements of loss when it is on 
are better than any show that has ever existed. Um, you know, there are some great shows and I, I really love some of the stuff HBO has done. You know, AMC's had some really good things on recently, but there are just so much to be found as you're weaving your way through Lost. You know, I'm just looking at, at the, the different episodes from your from your rankings and these top 10 episodes. These are some of the best episodes of TV that have ever been produced. And when you go back and rewatch it and you have the knowledge of the things that are going to come and you kind of see different ways that people play things and different characters are interacting and things that you might not have noticed the first time around. I, I just think it's absolutely brilliant. And there's so many characters that I would watch with their own shows and then you're going to shove them all together. It just makes for this really great hodgepodge of everything going on all at once and you're kind of confused but they give some answers and we we have uh, a few friends who are actually um re-watching it right now for the first time oh really who yeah uh, our friend norm um oh norm who we went to college with who we also roomed with he's, yeah, he's, a he's real doing a, <laughs> he's doing a rewatch for the first time with his his new girlfriend who's actually never seen it so i'm interested to hear what what her perspective is on it and what he comes away thinking oh i'm curious to hear storm and norm take maybe we can get him on one of these shows uh but it would not be a pg-13 show no definitely not there's have no, to be uh there's no behind a paywall or something he really is kind of the farva of our friends oh 1000 percent. yeah he loves powdered sugar who doesn't who doesn't um pete we'll have to get you back on one of these shows because you did fantastic here on your third time here on post show recaps and on lost lives uh but it's been too long since we've had you on here we'll we'll get you back on here sooner all right, man. Sounds great. Yeah. Anytime um, you're trying to talk lost, I'm down. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, it, it had been a long layoff between uh, the the lost lives in November and the lost lives that we did for four eight fifteen here earlier in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we only had a few weeks between that episode and tonight's episode that we just recorded with Pete. Uh, hopefully, we will not be going too much longer until our next one. I'd really like to see Lost Lives rearing its head once every every few weeks, once a month. I think should be doable so we're hopefully going to have another lost list three again fairly soon then again i tend to say that a lot and sometimes it doesn't happen my apologies for that but you'll get you'll you'll, you'll get it when you get it hopefully it's going to be not that long from now uh and pete if you've got any ideas of course uh just give me a shout i'm i'm just a text away and we can always get you back on here talking lost Let's just do an entire episode where we talk about meet kevin johnson meet kevin johnson that sounds like my nightmare that sounds like hell that sounds like a place I don't want to go and uh, maybe somewhere I should go. It's your own uh, personal I, I, flash sideways. I would like to do um, the, the Michael Dawson episode at some point. I would, I would like to talk about either in defense of Michael or just like ripping the people apart who turned Michael into not a great character. And I think that's more the angle you need to go because <laughs> they, do, they do that man such a disservice. Uh, it sucks. It sucks. It sucks because Harold Perrineau is the man. He's terrific. Yeah, maybe we could do that. I mean, I know you're a big Oz guy, Pete. Oh, definitely. Love us. All right. That's going to do it for Lost Lives this week. Pete, people can find you on Twitter. How? Uh, Burgundy underscore orange. Uh, I have 
couple of people who are already on here who I know are going to be listening to this. And thank you guys so much. It's awesome. been uh, really fun. Yeah. Uh, so so hit up Pete. Give us the hashtag tonight. What do you say? Uh, it's, a, it's a little clunky, but uh, interconnected stories. It's a lot of characters. But let's go hashtag interconnected stories. I think that was a really great message that you took away from the final season of Lost. Uh, I'm, of course, at Round Howard, like Ron Howard, but Rounder. We'll be back with another Lost Lives in a few weeks. Uh, topic TBD. Uh, we'll, we'll hear from you then. Pete, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. Of course, man. All right, we'll talk to you all again soon. Take care. Bye.